0: Hi, I'm Kathy Rushing, host of the podcast, Committed The Entrepreneur Marriage. If your middle name is Restless and you identify with words like innovator, dreamer, change maker, creative, independent, or you are married to an entrepreneur, or heaven help you, you're both entrepreneurs, this podcast is for you. The entrepreneurial journey can be a little wild at times, like uncharted territory. Join me as I talk with others who are at various stages of the entrepreneur process. We'll explore the wisdom and insights they have gained while navigating the ups and downs of the entrepreneur journey. You'll discover that there are many couples who have found ways to thrive in both their business and marriage. Savage Sublime is the husband-wife duo of Brandy and Danny Graves. They create artifacts that you will actually use in your everyday life, but are sturdy enough to become heirlooms. Brandy makes these beautiful cutting boards from the trees on their property in Sebastopol, California. You should see that woman work with power tools. Dan makes and curates historical Viking axes and World War II knives. Together, they collaborate to create a life and home that honors the beauty of simple things. Listen for the important legacy of their fathers, how they teach their children about business and creativity, and how collaboration connects them and keeps them dreaming. I can't wait for you to meet this delightful couple. I absolutely loved this interview with them. And you can find links to their website and Instagram page in the show notes. Hey, Brandy and Dan Graves, I'm so happy to have you on the program today. How are you guys doing? Good.
1: We're so happy to be here. Glad to be
0: here. Welcome. Thank you for making time and taking time out of your busy day. That's a pleasure. We want to, good. We want to take some time just to let the audience get to know you a little bit. Tell us where you live.
2: We are in Sebastopol, California. So it's Sonoma County. We're about 20 miles from like the Sonoma coastline. Mm. About an hour, like, i I've heard this recently in California we say we we call distance by how long it takes to get places. I don't think this is how everybody does it, but we're about an hour north of San Francisco,
0: okay, very good. Well, I've seen some of the pictures on your Instagram post, and it is beautiful. There's something about the the woods in the Northwest. They're so deep and rich and moss hanging and growing on the, what did they call the trees that fall down that then become fertilizer for other
2: trees? Yeah, there's all the whole ecosystem constantly evolving yeah. around I, here. <laughs> we,
1: yeah, every winter we'll hear a loud crash somewhere oh. on the property and that process will be starting itself. So yeah. we're familiar with oh. it. I, don't, I don't, don't know if we know the terminology, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, what led you guys to that area?
2: Well, we are actually, we're both from California. We're from the Central Valley. And when we got married, I was going to school at the San Francisco Art Institute and Dan was working over here. So we came over to the Bay Area, never really expecting to be here as long as we have been, which is almost... 20, uh, years 20 years now. Almost 20 years. Yeah. And 20? so we moved, we knew we didn't want to live in San Francisco proper. I had lived there before and Dan didn't want to live there specifically. We wanted to live in a bit of a more um, rural environment. We're,
1: so, I think we're kind of both kind of naturally rural too. Yeah. We, we were both raised out in the country. And I, I, I think this was Sonoma County is kind of the fit for people who work in San Francisco and want to escape the urban jungle. So uh, okay. I we're, we're, we're probably Pretty common story for people getting out of the city proper and being out in the.
2: Yeah, it's commutable, but you're not, you, you're, you're just far enough away over the bridge that you're not a part of the whole Bay Area.
0: Yeah. Probably. And all
2: driving and yeah.
0: Feels like a world away. Mm-hmm. And how long have you guys been married? We're recording this in um, March of 2021. So at
2: this point, how many
0: years?
1: Well, we are sneaking up on 20 in October. At this so, point, it's
2: 19, but 20 in October. 20 in October. Awesome. It seems shocking. Time does go by so fast. We were
1: just babies when we got <laughs> married.
0: <laughs> How old were you when you we're got really married?
2: <laughs> I was 26 and Deanna was
0: 30, 30 yeah. so no. we weren't
2: we were really young, but I mean, time goes by. I, st- I feel still young. I don't, I, it doesn't seem like it, 20 years have gone by, you know? It,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. No, 50 is sneaking up on me. I <laughs> I don't know. I don't feel any different than I did when I was 15. So
0: that is, that is true. I, I feel a little different than 15 maybe, but my mind is stuck at about 40. You know, that's where I see myself. And then I look in the mirror and I'm like, nope, not 40.
2: <laughs> it's funny. It, it is funny. Yeah. I I
0: picked up from some of your posts that you guys met though pretty young. How old were you when you met? And tell us a little bit about how you met.
2: Well, we're from the same hometown. We didn't know each other growing up, but um, we met when We grew up
0: close
1: together. We didn't know each other growing up, but I think our, our like, we, you know, this is, we lived kind of a lifestyle in the Central Valley that I think is probably not super common anymore, but I, we both kind of grew up in this, we, we, I lived in the same house for the first 18 years of my life and, and and Brandy did for a huge chunk of hers. And, um, our homes that we grew up in were what, two miles apart, three miles apart.
2: Yeah. So we're both from Turlock, California, which is, um, right in the heart of the Central Valley. And when we were kids, it was a big, um, you know, agricultural community, which it still Mm -hmm. is, but it's, it's expanded significantly since we were kids. So both of our families have been, had been there for a couple generations and lots of crossover that we knew, but we didn't, we didn't know each other. We went to different schools. And then um, we met when I was 18, I was actually just leaving to go to college and Dan was leaving to go to law school. And we met like right in that little period of time. And, and Dan wanted to date me immediately but we didn't he was smart man he was young and a little
1: (laughs) i (laughs) i i knew that i wanted to marry her from the moment i saw her
0: seriously yeah i just knew
1: i just you know what sometimes you know and i just never gave up
0: yeah oh my goodness had you dated much dan or no not at all no (laughs) no i you know i no
1: not really i was uh I guess I was kind of socially awkward
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah dan so so we met, and I you know we were instant friends, and I thought Dan was really smart and really like the like magnetic and um. But it was a little rough around. The <laughs> <laughs> so we stayed friends for a long time. He went to law school. I went to college. He um, was in the army, and we we would kind of connect back and forth over time. And then it was two thousand that we. Was it two thousand that we it was got 2001. married? Two thousand one. Oh, two thousand one that we um, like reconnected, and we got married two months later. Yeah. Oh, wow. So
1: yeah. So like, I think I was. I was kind of like back from, above, I'd done a bunch of pretty extensive military training. So I'd been at, I'd been back in North Carolina and you'd been living in San Francisco. And, and we had this summer, uh, the summer of 2001 where huh. I was back in Turlock and she was back in Turlock. And actually her sister and brother-in-law invited us to attend like a concert, like some open air concert together. And, and they said hey brandy's going do you want to go and i said yes of course i want to go <laughs> oh, <laughs> and i was i was i was 30 at that time yes. you were 26 and uh and it's just the we t- we the just it was just, just happened yeah. to be
2: right and that, that was like Mountain. july
1: and i want to say we, so we were
2: got, we got yeah so we got together and decided to get married right away and then um got married in october and and but 911 had just happened in september oh, yeah. And Dan was in the National Guard and was, um, what is it called? Stop-loss? Is that the, like... Stop-loss, stop, yeah. Stop-loss. So mm-hmm. he, like, was gone our entire first... Like, <laughs> we, we, we got together, got married, and, like, three months later, we were married, and he was gone. It was a weird first year of marriage. <laughs> well, first oh, two years, really, because we, didn't, years, we yeah. didn't really
1: live together full-time until about 2003. Yeah. I, I, I went to Afghanistan in early mid-'02. <laughs> So wow.
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, the sacrifices you military families pay. I have a couple of nephews that are one's Air Force and one is Navy, and it is we appreciate so much the sacrifices that the family makes because it it impacts everybody. Kind of like the entrepreneur life, yeah. right? <laughs>
2: I,
1: I think so.
0: So that that is really fast. Two months. How did you guys know that? you were the others forever person
1: well like I said I'd known for eight years so it was you know it was really funny um yeah it was really funny because I remember like after that concert we were talking and she said well well Dan I mean I can't I can't be your girlfriend I mean that's just I I'm not going to be your girlfriend and I said well I love you and I, I mean, and, and it's like, and then we, we started just kind of, we started kind of going out, uh, we were, we went out a couple more times after that. Yeah.
2: And, I and, don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It just was like the spark went off and the, re- the time was right. And, um, I just, well, I just knew. Well, I think
1: that. also though, you know, here's the thing that I think gets lost in, in relationships. A lot of times modernly is like we had so much shared context. So, mm-hmm. You know, when I told my dad, hey, I, I, I'm i going to marry Brandy, um, he said, oh, well, you know, I knew her grandfather and I knew her mm. great uncle. And, you know, I think kind of growing up in that same relatively small town huh. kind of added a certain um, certain security to the fact that, you know, these two families joining was a very natural thing. It was kind of our people were was kind it, of the yeah, same context- people.
2: Context is such a huge thing that I think a lot of kids just don't don't have in the same way now. You know, they don't have the same like crossover. You can't like vet the people <laughs> in the same way. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I think it's a real blessing. And, and over all these years, it's also just been so awesome because our families are from the same place. So it's made holidays and things like that a lot easier. Wow that is so
0: nice and that that is a really interesting perspective you know now that i think of it because i moved around a lot growing up we moved some with our kids yeah so it it is almost an exception anymore that you have that growing up experience and so much in common i mean what we know about healthy relationships it is very unusual anymore to find two people that grew up in the same area. And so to your point of having a lot in common, and we know that a lot of long-term marriages are long-term because there's there's a lot of overlap in different areas, you know, common interests, common faith, common, like you said, I mean, how cool that your dad, Dan, Absolutely. knew Brandy's grandfather. I think that's awesome. So that's that's a cool perspective. What are three words that you would use to describe the other?
1: <laughs> that's a tough one. I mean, uh, you know, Brandy is compassionate, I, I, I think, much more so than I am. Uh, but she's very compassionate and empathetic. Uh, she's beautiful. <laughs> um, and, and then I think... Um, the third word is one that she's kind of utilized, I think, in a, in a couple of her posts. But feisty, uh, you know, I Ooh. think we both got um, a, a certain amount of feistiness is, is one word for it. But I think you could also say kind of a determination. Uh, she's she's got mm-hmm. a lot of grit. So those are my three, and no, I you think,
2: don't know what I'm gonna
1: say. I think I, I think <laughs> <laughs> I think I did pretty well. I think I, I got that pretty good, and I didn't prep that. That was right that off the top. Awesome. Clock.
2: Okay. Well, I would say first for Dan is loyal. I think that mm-hmm. is um, just. I, I think like one like one of his like absolute core values, and he lives it out in his life. And I think it's a mm-hmm. character trait that I don't know. Kind of sometimes gets lost in the shuffle these days. So I really admire that about him. He's enthusiastic. He's definitely energetic and enthusiastic and game for almost anything. And I I think he really can be credited. I mean, not not only in all the different like aspects of his life, but he's really good at like keeping the morale up in our family, which I really appreciate. It's a huge that's a huge big deal. Yeah. And I think he's heroic too. I think he is self-sacrificing and heroic and well, now that was four. But heroic and self-sacrificing are kind of the same, so.
0: Well, I don't care if you do five. I think that's <laughs> wonderful to have more words than you can describe. Those are really good. And when you say heroic, and I think of the family. But you guys have how many kids? Three, three kids. How yeah, old are they?
2: Sixteen. Thir- so Henry is our oldest. He's sixteen. Joe is thirteen, and Inga is ten, almost eleven. But I'm going to be in denial until March 29th. <laughs> we'll,
1: we'll say ten. We'll say ten <laughs> for another week or two. Yeah.
2: Yeah, for the next ten
0: years, you know. Yeah. Very good. What is a book or a person that has influenced, maybe shaped the person you are today?
2: Well, I would say, I think, I would say my dad, my dad passed away about 16 years ago, but um, Mm. he and I were very close and he was... um, he was feisty. He was the original was feisty. feisty. <laughs> but he was, you know what? He was hot-headed and he was like impassioned. But he was also completely compassionate and dynamic in his mind. He was always mm. question, like always always asking questions of people and things and interested, like genuinely interested in life and living and fully living his life. He was an entrepreneur as was his father. And so I don't, I never really sort of expected myself to go down that road, but um, it's fun looking back on it, sort of thinking of the seeds that were sown, you know what I mean? Years ago, but I, I, um, I think my dad for sure is, is, you know, one of the most formative people in my life.
1: Hmm. Well, I, I, I have to say my dad too. I mean, <laughs> you, you know, my dad was a small town preacher and he just lived this life of self-sacrifice and of compassion. And he really was one of those people who met other people in the poorest aspects of society, exactly mm. where they were, and uh, and and was there for them. And you know, he was really busy when I was a kid. I, like a, a small town preacher is like a small town uh, fireman. I mean, yeah, I, I don't remember us ever having a, a conversation or ever having a meal where he wasn't on the phone with somebody that had a problem that needed his help. And and when I was a kid, I know that that was really he was really worked worked hard on on his church and super important to him. But, you know, when we were both adults, uh, we really were able to like have this great uh, relationship and friendship and, and his advice and wisdom and uh, all those different things he provided for me were just invaluable. And interestingly enough, we were super different personalities <laughs> because like, you know, Freddie didn't <laughs> describe me as particularly compassionate or, or, yeah. or, 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 or Interested in the same exact um, ability, the same exact ability to meet people in that same exact uh, uh, non-judgmental or, or perfect way that my dad was. But mm-hmm. he definitely uh, is the person I would say. Let me put it this way: when you're in those moments of indecision and you're trying to think of of whose advice you would like right now, well, mm-hmm. I it would it'd be dad's. Yeah. And you know what? He gave me enough before he passed away in 2012. He gave me enough to where it's like. I know what he would say in this circumstance. So mm-hmm. I, I, I have a pretty good idea where he would want me to fall out. So.
2: Yeah. Well, I think you're a lot more like him than you, you think you are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that you both lost your fathers, especially being such important people to you and so young, which leaves you kind of with a lot on your shoulders. And I'm curious how out of their influence, how has that informed your own parenting?
2: Mm, That's a good question.
1: Well, you know, I, I would say for me, we always talked about everything in my household. So in our family, we like really value like a lot of dialogue. So, Mm-hmm. We sit around the table and we talk politics and culture and current events and and broad worldview issues that I think a lot of people either avoid having themselves or <laughs> having with their kids. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that's probably where my dad uh, influenced my parenting. It's and I think uh, interestingly enough, my dad was very respectful of my individual personhood from a very young age. Uh, there was never this idea of the child um, not being an individual worthy of expression or acknowledgement. Hmm. And I think that's kind of really important to us with our parenting technique. It's um, kind of this recognition of the innate humanity of the the kids, Despite the fact that, okay, Mm -hmm. they they don't have the experience, they don't have the years, they need some guidance. But at the same time, every single day, they come up with something that I haven't exactly thought of in that way. And uh, it's a really valuable uh, exchange, I think.
2: Yeah. I would say, you know, my dad, my dad was ever undeterred. He was, he was very much like forward moving. And I think in a lot of ways, he was just very brave. You know, he, he just kind of kept going forward, kept looking forward. And I think that that has, I can buckle under the pressure of sentimentality sometimes a little too much. And I think I I do always remember like my dad was, my dad was brave and he was always looking at the road ahead. And I think, um, you know, that's the kind of parent I want to be. It's a good example for me to keep returning to kids really need their parents to be brave and and undeterred. And I, I think that's been a huge, um, example that has kind of continued on. The other thing is, Henry, my oldest was just a baby when my dad got sick. And mm. I was in art school, I was in grad school at the time. And it it gave me I, I sort of had this moment of time, I was able to sort of pull out of everything and go um, help my mom and be with my dad during that time. Mm. And I think it mm. was a good moment in my life where I was able to kind of look inward at where I was spending my time and what mattered, and I think it did kind of then lead me down certain other roads in my life i've I've homeschooled the kids since they were little, and I don't know if I would have like taken that opportunity if not for being if not for pulling back a little bit. so I think I think that was another thing he did for me that I didn't necessarily want him to do, but
0: you know mm. how beautiful to be able to see the gift, even in the pain.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, and her dad, I you know, he and I were friends. And, you know, mm-hmm. there were many, many years where Brandy would not have much to do with me. And he and I would go get coffee and donuts or we'd hang out. So he was just a he was a great, great friend of mine as well. So,
0: oh, what a wonderful relationship.
1: I think he was rooting for me.
0: Very strategic, Dan. He, yeah. he was
1: kind of rooting for me, I think. You know, he, he didn't, I, didn't, I think he didn't want me to lose heart.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. Well, thanks for sharing all of that, you guys. I'd like to shift to your business, Savage Sublime. Tell us about the name. How did you come up with that and tell us what this business is?
1: Well, Brandy and I have, I think we've always had kind of a, a lifelong fascination with the artifacts that kind of uh, make up your life. You know, and, uh, we've also both had, uh, our, our interests have always been in like the creative process. We've both really enjoyed mm-hmm. making things. Mine, I think have been a little more singular than hers have, but uh, we started out making, uh, Brandy was making cutting boards and I was making Viking axes. And so Viking I- axes. axes.
0: How did yeah. that come about? <laughs>
1: yeah. And, so, um, and I think, uh, we were thinking, well, what what's a good way to describe Viking axes and artisan kitchen equipment? <laughs> Savage sublime.
2: Well, it's also kind of an ongoing joke in our family. We like to sort mm-hmm. of tiptoe around the idea of like
0: who's, who's who? who. You'll never <laughs> <Who's> know. Who <laughs> saw that in a post? Yes, yeah. it's like we're going to keep you guessing. Sometimes it's me. <laughs> sometimes, you know, but you. do you know? <laughs> but do you know? I love that. So. Dan, Viking Axes. That is so random. How did that come about?
1: Well, so so uh Turlock, California where we're from is kind mm-hmm. of a is a Scandinavian enclave. So Brandy and I both are of Scandinavian ancestry. So okay. growing up, you know, um you know with a little bit of that kind of a Norwegian pride Now there's a whole story there, but you know, growing up with that kind of Norwegian pride and stuff like that, we always were, you know, talking about or looking at Viking history and stuff like that. So I was really interested in it. And there was a company in Sweden that was making this really neat Viking axe. And I I talked to the distributor, and it was 700 bucks. And I said to myself, you know, I think I can make that. And so that's kind of what inspired me to start making axes. And I think that was was probably six or seven years ago. And the first axes i made i think i made 10 axes that first year and we like sold them at like a small local artisan market here in uh in the north bay and uh that kind of set my trajectory on that so i i am i make knives and uh viking axes that that are kind of uh have my own little signature uh look to them so
0: very cool yeah. what would be unique like if you went into a market that had some of your knives or axes and somebody else's. Is there something that would a collector maybe would say? Oh, Dan made this.
1: Well, yeah, and so I, you know, it's really funny because you, uh, you know, when you talk about like books that influence, I think we both like actually are pretty rapacious readers. So um, there are like certain texts that you you go back to for for inspiration. And um, there's a book by Bill Wright called uh, Theater Military Theater Knives of World War Two. And uh, that kind of influences, like my knife making design, which is largely based on found metal knives that were produced during World War II and just shipped out to our troops en masse due to the equipment shortages of that period. So that's kind of where I get my knife inspiration.
0: Okay. And Brandy, what what led to cutting boards? How did you develop that interest?
2: Well. When we moved um, to our home, which we've been in now in Sebastopol for eight years, it was com- it's ten acres and it's com- it was completely overgrown with poison oak and berries and bushes and trees. And one of the main trees on our property is California bay laurel, and the California bay laurel is edible, just like the Mediterranean bay that you usually buy at the grocery store. It's just a little bit more potent. So people don't use it as often. Mm-hmm. And I, we were just trying our very best to sort of push back the wilderness to kind of find our house, our place here. And we kept cutting down trees. And I just kept thinking like, I want to just wish we could do something with these trees. We were using them for firewood and chipping them and things like that. And I just was obsessed this one year with like trying to make some cutting boards out of the trees so we we have a friend who uh well we found a found a friend who has a mill and had some of it milled and it was like more beautiful than I ever expected and Mm. I really enjoy it you know because I've been home with kids for so long I've spent just a lot of time in the kitchen and you know how those like Sort of menial tasks that fill up a lot of your day when your kids are little. They kind of, they kind of wear you down. And then at the same time, when they start to go away, you kind of look back on them with, with you know, a real like soft spot in your heart for them. Mm-hmm. So um, I very much love working with wood, and I. And I remember when the kids were little, I would, you know, be like cutting on the cutting board. And I love that it like makes those knife marks, knife marks on the on the wood. Mm. And it's kind of this like really interesting, poetic sort of marking of days and marking of time. So mm. when I made my first board, I was thrilled. And like Dan said, we brought some of our stuff to a market and they sold. And it was people really were really interested in them. And then we've just kind of developed it from there. So I've gotten I've gotten a lot better. I mean, my first boards, I didn't really know anything about what I was doing. My grandfather was a carpenter and, you know, we've always had tools and things like that around, but I hadn't really, I I took a, I took a class, a woodshop class in high school, but that was (laughs) the extent of any of the work I had done. And then I just kind of started to teach myself. And then as I sold boards We would buy like a new piece of equipment, a different standing piece, a new bandsaw, things like that. And I started to really enjoy it. And then I started carving into the boards, which really like ignited my creativity. I I started really enjoying that. But I honestly, I just I love that it's this piece that like I can put out there that is this sort of functional artwork. But then also like evolves over time with whoever is taking that and using it in their home you know it's just this kind of beautiful marking of days i think so
0: oh fantastic and you had said you you were in art school did you have a direction for your art or a medium that was your favorite
2: yeah medium <laughs> yeah i was doing i was at the san francisco art institute and i was doing filmmaking specifically documentary filmmaking but you know honestly it's funny because I remember and I've written about this too I remember at the time I love film I love that it's you know these, these little pictures that are just moving I love film so much than any sort of like digital work that's out there now but um it's this beautiful dancing and flickering of light but it's also like so evanescent you know the film itself is a really um it is is really like delicate, it falls apart over time. It's it's all about this sort of like tiny moment in time that you create and then it's gone. And mm-hmm. I and I do I did at the time and I always really long to do more to create something that was more of an object. And so I kind of think that, you know, I think my boards are sort of a um an an object documentary in some ways, which I think has been really sort of fun to develop. Huh I love that
0: combination and, and how it evolved. Yeah. Yeah. So was there a point that you guys launched Savage Sublime or did? Did it kind of grow a little, grow a little, and you were like, "Hey, I think we have a company here." Tell us about how the the business has evolved.
2: Yeah, well, our goal really in the beginning was just to um, get a little kitty together so we could take our family on vacation. That was sort of okay. what we were working for. And in addition to like have some crossover between our lives, other than just our kids, so that we could kind of have something to do together. It was really we always really enjoyed doing that. So we started kind of selling things and then, you know, it, it started kind of doing a little better year by year and we were really enjoying it. And we we finally like pulled together a little, a little savings and went on a month-long trip to Europe and we were really like catching steam and feeling pretty good about it. The kids have all been involved with it and really enjoy it. It's a it, fun like family thing to do together.
1: It, you know, and I think that like that... So this hasn't been our full source of income, but it's definitely been something that has has grown in terms of significance in that Mm -hmm. aspect. But I think that has been super valuable for us to have like this really fun uh, thing to plan for into the future. And then the -hmm. collaboration on creative projects, you know, um, Like I said, Brandy and I have always both been very uh, interested in the creative process and the fact that we've kind of had uh, the same thing to pour our energies into, although we're coming at it from the savage side and the sublime (laughs) side, you know, um, has, has, I think, I think it's really been a gift to us yeah. in terms of mm-hmm. like something that, you know, I, I think a lot of uh, married couples with a lot of kids and 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 especially with Brandy homeschooling and just life is so busy and everything goes by so fast. And she talked about cutting boards, marking that time and preserving that time. Well, I think any aspect of your life that you can share also kind of ends up marking that time. And this shared aspect of our, our life has been really a lot of fun it's been very cool so i I, you know brandy's an entrepreneur and um you know it is a business but by the same token it has been a great team building exercise for our family
0: cool i often ask couples and i didn't ask you guys this but if your marriage was a team sport what would it be
2: I don't really know anything about sports.
1: We are like the we are, the, we are like so detached from sports. So I, no, I, I was talking about
2: March Madness the other day, and I was like, "Is it?" I don't even know what
1: I sport and I, it is. I mean. I would say March we're Madness? more like an infantry squad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Everybody has their marching orders. Everybody's
1: got a job.
0: Yeah. Well, I've enjoyed watching the videos that are. Are on your Instagram feed, Savage Sublime, and just this—it's—it's almost like a dance how you're working with each other. I
2: think you know we really sort of treat it as as a play. You know what I mean? Like we're—it's—and I think because of because we're able to do it here out of our home and our kids are able Mm -hmm. to be involved, and then Mm -hmm. you know we we started to sort of lace in some different. vintage and and found objects that we've been selling too so we've had fun like when we're out with our family hunting those down so it it has felt like a dance i think that's a good well, a, a yeah. good maybe and, we're dancers
1: well and <laughs> uh, you know i think we're you know the idea of curated collections has been really appealing to us because one we well we're both pretty hardcore flea market and antique store people so it's been kind of fun to try to find some some treasures too
2: but you know We both, I'm sure you picked up, like, really love this concept of the artifact. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We can all Mm -hmm. go buy whatever we need at Target or whatever. But, you know, these are the things that you kind of have in your home. And so having them be beautiful and special and have a story behind them, I think, is something that we enjoy and we enjoy sharing with people. And I think it's a concept that people really kind of um, understand, too, and like to get behind.
0: Awesome. When I was doing a little bit of looking at your website in preparation for this, I see that you have a release coming up. So I did sign up for your email list.
2: So I all get right. notification <laughs> because those boards are beautiful. Thank really you. Gorgeous. I'm excited about yeah. this next release. It's fun. It's fun. to I like releasing things in a collection because it's fun to see how it all sort of comes together as a whole.
0: Yeah, very much so. So you've mentioned that you homeschool you, the kids are involved in the work. How do you talk with your kids about the business?
1: Well, I, if we need something done, we say, "Do you want to go on vacation?"
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but 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 you know, it's it's funny. I think a family it's an organism, right? And so I think mm-hmm. that. Um, when they see uh, our enthusiasm for something, it's contagious, and they are also very. Our our kids are very vested in every aspect of what we do. Um, it's not, again, everything happens around the kitchen table at about six o'clock every night, and a a lot of times the best way to move forward on the business is is a topic of discussion, and the kids are right there and completely engaged. So, the um, it it's. It has been a, a really cool team yeah, process. Yeah, it really is.
2: I mean, and it's cool to be able to sort of show them how to set goals and start chipping away mm-hmm. at it, whether it's, you know, on a monetary level or on a, whatever level it is. I think mm-hmm. they are getting to see that in action, which is really cool.
1: Well, and kind of like, I think too, uh, kind of an introduction to like free market economics. You know, it's been mm-hmm. really cool to talk about the fact that you, we are really blessed to be able to produce something and through our labors, you know, create wealth to a certain extent. And it's a great example for them in terms of like moving forward. I I think, you know, this idea of they're stuck doing one thing. It's not something we want them to feel. We want them to feel like, hey, there is a world of possibility and that you can mm. support yourself in any number of ways through entrepreneurship. So
2: It's fun, too, to see them sort of take the ball and run with it. Or is that the expression? Take the... I guess, it is. Yeah, the it wrong, is. Like, all and, the time. It
1: is. And it's a sports analogy and it, it involves a uh, yes. foosball, I believe.
2: But um, my daughter, mm. she's she. so where we are in Sebastopol, the ground is very... Uh, it's clay dirt. It's really, you know, miserable to, Adobe. to plant in. Adobe. It's Adobe. But um, she like started digging up this clay and made it into a pot and figured out how to cast it in the, put it in the fire and like she made a little kiln and made a little pot. And then she built herself a website. <laughs> we were like, <laughs> Oh, so yeah
1: and I I mean I don't want to take away from our business cuz now she's a competitor but Wanderlust Studios. Um, <laughs> Studios and uh, she's selling uh, I want to say ashtrays which yeah, is a weird choice cuz we've Coke been
2: smoked here but we've... she's
0: making ashtrays <laughs> How amazing though that she has picked up your your love for making things and just trying
2: it right Maybe it'll it's, work. Uh, it's fun to watch. Yeah, I think and that's what it is. I love I love that they just kind of have the guts to just give it a try and see what happens and uh, yeah.
1: Joe's making a hang glider right now.
2: Yeah, <laughs> what could go wrong?
1: <laughs> what could go wrong?
2: Exactly.
0: <laughs> I have to put the bully of the neighborhood as the first one to go out on it or something, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. <laughs> a while back our daughter told us about Five Marys. And I started watching, I kind of got addicted almost during the pandemic. It was just such a fun, bright place, right, to watch stories. And I think, did you guys go through their business? Yeah, I
2: did. Yeah. So I signed up for her, um, her little business school about a year ago. I started, I, I love her on Instagram, too. And I just felt like she was, She's so authentic, you know, in her business style. And I also really feel, um, you know, like I don't see myself as a farmer, although like going down, or like in the agricultural industry. But mm-hmm. I do use the wood that's grown on our property. And I think I, mm-hmm. I feel a real um, connection to rural America. I think that there's a real um, life force that comes out of rural America that she is really good at like articulating and teaching mm. how to sort of move forward. So I did her business course and I am still involved in her. She does, a she's doing like a mastermind. So little small groups of people oh, that get great. together and talk and share ideas. And that's been just a huge education, really fun, such a, such a great investment of my time it's been it's been really awesome
0: how has that impacted your business do you think
2: well I think you know like I said before I just started making these boards and then as I would make them and sell them then I would buy whatever it was that I needed to do more and get better the five marys was the first thing I had sort of invested in like as a future thing. So it kind of lit a little fire. It kind of got me going a little bit, a little bit faster. And, you know, it's great. It's just always great to be sort of involved with people that are doing something similar that can kind of also help inspire and encourage you along the way. She's, Mary is, a you know, she's so great at social media. She's also, I feel like she's kind of right at the, you know she's always sort of looking ahead at sort of how to manage these things and I she's been a great a great mentor I don't know her personally just through sort of communication well it's funny school but
1: well it's funny too it's like you know in our home Mary is kind of a celebrity right so you know we 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 you know (laughs) so it's like all celebrities I think you know if you're watching somebody you're watching somebody you know on a movie and you feel like well yeah you know I really feel like I know Humphrey Bogart or something, you know, but it's like, I I mean, you know, it's like, I think our family, we really feel like Mary is a part of our endeavor. And Hmm. I I think the hard part when, when people consider themselves um, makers or, or are involved in artisan work is when you're, when you're trying to monetize that, or you're trying to make that into a real business and start to understand the dynamics of entrepreneurship, it's, it's much more of a science, I think, than, than Brandy and I are attuned to. And I, the thing I've noticed, and I didn't, I didn't take a course, but as a, maybe a, as a, as a part of the business watching what Brandy's learned, I think that what, what Mary has been really good at has been kind of sharpening our focus on the business aspect of the creative process. And I think um, that's where a lot of artisan shops really go wrong is they, they never figure out how to capture what they're doing, um, from an an entrepreneurship standpoint. And she's been really good, uh, in terms of guiding us on that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, there's, there's the hobby and there's a business and you have to at some point decide what it is that you're sort of going for. So I think, um, it's been working with her has been great in sort of helping define, define that for, for me and for us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if anyone's interested, their Instagram feed is just delightful. She posts so much and I see her doing so many things and I don't know when the woman sleeps, honestly. I know, I don't know. <laughs> what what has been a high and a low since you have launched Savage Sublime?
2: Well, You know, I would say that this year with the COVID, as so many people have struggled with different things, you know, we were starting to kind of build up a little bit of uh, steam as we were going along with our markets. And then with COVID this past year, everything was canceled, which forced me to put a website together because there was really no other Uh option. So I, I think that was a great high and low. You know what I mean? It was kind of a turning point for me. I've had been going online I'm and I'm currently like rebuilding my website and working on sort of going further online but I think that has opened up a lot of doors for me figuring out how to ship do you know all those kinds of things but I think it's made it bigger in that I have you know a, a bigger place to play I think that's been it was a low and then it kind of forced me into this position but it, it you know I think it's ultimately gonna be a really good change
1: you, you okay. know I'll I'm I'm impossible to stop from just chiming in, but you know, here's what i Oh,
2: please
0: do.
1: <laughs> you know, I I would say the whole shutdown. I really enjoyed the live markets, and that was our entire focus really until the pandemic. We didn't really have a internet. Presence or e-commerce or anything like that. It was all. uh, We would go. We would go to a couple of different festivals and a couple of different makers fairs, and we'd do two or three a year. And I loved just talking to people about what what we were doing. It was to me that was so fun, and it was fun to have the kids out there, and it was fun to. Just when, when somebody purchased something from you face-to-face after hearing you yes. talk about it, yep. to me, that was like really validating as a maker. So I, yep. I really when, – when all of a sudden everything was canceled in 2020, mm. to me, that was a real low point. Yeah. I think it was when we kind of hit that low point that uh, Brandy started working with with Mary – and we did start kind of looking at this more from the context, more in the context of like this, it needs to be uh, an ongoing business. And actually, I think our okay, internet revenue has been better seasonal
2: up until that. It's point. been very We've seasonal. Been It'd be in the, we'd so we'd have,
1: December would be a rocket and then we wouldn't sell again until June and i think I think it's actually a lot more of a business now, so from that standpoint, it's a high point but i i gotta say I can't wait to get back out and like talk to people i I do miss the yeah. I do miss the real the marketing and that stuff it,
2: it is really fun it's It's a lot more fun to see people face to face and yes, yeah I've had some pieces
0: we recently moved the beginning of December, and we had everything in storage for like two and a half years. And we started going to Santa Fe. Oh my goodness! Well, on our honeymoon, which was several months after we actually married, we went on a backpacking trip in New Mexico. Took a little side trip to Taos. Ran out of money there. We had a VW bus. Literally drove from Taos to Texas with a twenty dollars uh, twenty dollars left, and we were scavenging coins, you know, from the VW bus. But we bought our first little piece of pottery that was made by a Native American woman. And there was nothing particularly, it was never going to be a collector's piece, but I remember the woman I bought it from, she was an old woman. And when we unpacked this box, I had three or four that had just shattered and I I was so sad because I was like, I can't replace them. It's not about what I spent. We didn't even spend a lot on them, but I, I remember that woman. So I have several pieces. I'm not a big collector. I'd like to collect more art, but I definitely appreciate that fact of, I know who made this. In fact, I, I bought a piece in Santa Fe a couple of years ago. They had a children's art festival. And this little girl, her name was Hannah, same as our daughter, and she had made this, it was a little tiny black, you know, there's a a black pottery. That I forget which Pueblo is known for that, but this little girl had made this little black pot and I bought it. And I said, I am going to say, I bought your first piece before you were famous because it was beautiful. I
2: love it. I mean, yeah. So, and those are, that's what you remember. You remember those things. I had so many of the little trinkets and things we have around here. I can tell you exactly where I got it, what we were doing. I remember it like brings me back in such a specific way.
0: Totally, I, totally. We are collectors.
2: Yeah. We do like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're <laughs> Yes. But like you said, they
0: have meaning. They're yeah. not just things to stick up on a shelf, yeah, you know, absolutely. order all of this collection. Yeah. So how do you split up the roles in the business?
1: I have nothing to do with the business side. I make
0: oh.
1: things. <laughs> so I, I am not any I I don't do anything with the business, but I, okay. I do make things.
2: He so he's the uh Bladesmith, is that the word? I am. Yeah.
1: I'm the, I, 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 knives and axes are my focus. And yeah, that's what I do.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. How do you guys keep the fun friendship and intimacy in your marriage with this busy life, raising kids, making things, traveling?
2: Well, I think that, you know, like we have talked about, I think that in the beginning, this was this kind of, grown-up play we were participating in you know what I mean we didn't know we weren't we were kind of like pretending to have a business and doing it together and it was really fun and I think that doing it together is part of the part of the thing that keeps us connected you know it keeps us like-minded in certain things years ago, when the kids were really little, we lived in Petaluma, just a couple towns over. Do you remember this? And we did. They do this big Day of the Dead thing in all the town, all the little shops Mm -hmm. and stuff downtown. And a friend of a friend of ours asked us to do a little altar in one of the store windows. And we did it together. It was the first kind of art piece we had put together. And it was so fun. And I think it sort of inspired. Inspired us to collaborate more in some of in some of those ways. I think I think it's I think that's a big aspect of it. We also both of us laugh a lot. We we have a pretty good sense of humor, so I think generally we we sort of keep the laughter going. And neither of us are you know to we get we don't
1: we don't hold the grudge we don't
2: hold the grudge we don't have the energy to hold a grudge too long. So Mm. I think I think that's hugely helpful.
0: And, you know, when you have sharp hatchets around, you kind of want to stay on <laughs> each other's good side. Right? Nice. <laughs> it could be really dangerous at the household. Awesome. I, well,
1: yeah, I think I think it's, I, I don't know that it's, I think the intentional decision to share a life is kind of what has sustained us both. I mean, I think that we've tried to be more intentional about like, uh, you know, having setting time aside, but I think that it's definitely been, uh, the idea of collaborating, not just on the business, but like collaborating in terms of where we want to go in the next 20 years has been something that's kind of been our obsession lately. And I think, um, always kind of maintaining this idea of, uh, steadfastly desiring to go in the same direction, um, mm. I think has been uh, key.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. It's very important. There's actually been research done that um, talks about shared goals is one component of, especially for an entrepreneur marriage lasting for years and years. And you guys are 20 years in and I hope you have 40 more at least, you know,
2: at least. Yeah, I think the, 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 math,
1: the math you've got on my age might not work out for 40, <laughs> but yeah.
2: Well,
0: we've been married 41 and my husband says, I think we've got another 30 years. And I'm kind of like, well, hey, I hope so, but uh, I'm let's, not, see the, let's, let's see how the medicine works out. <laughs> medicine. Yeah, yeah. Well... You guys have been a delight to talk to. And I thank you so much for coming on the program and sharing just your story of this beautiful cutting boards and savage knives, <laughs> hatchets. <laughs> and so I just want to thank you and um, wish you all the best with your future plans. Thank and you. This has been, hey, this has thank been really you. Fun. It's been a
1: lot of fun. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks so much for listening and coming along on this journey with us. If you enjoyed this episode, I'll bet you know someone else that might also find it helpful. Sharing an episode is super easy. You can also give a rating or leave a useful comment. And all of these things help the show rankings, which then helps others find the show. Thank you in advance for being an action taker. You can find a full transcript at kathyrushing.com. And if you have a burning question or a comment you'd like to leave, you can now leave me a voicemail and I'll include it in a future episode. Just click the link in the show notes and voila, your voice will show up in my inbox. You're building a life together. Make it a great one. See you next time.